to This Grit and Grace Life, a podcast for strong women and those who want to be. From the boardroom to the bedroom, car lines to college, single, married, or single again, real talk for women embracing this grit and grace life. Let's get into it. Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of this Grit and Grace Life podcast. I'm Julie Graham, and I'm sitting across the table from a dear friend of mine. And sometimes I just have to stop and think back to the first time we met. You pretty quickly wanted me to come and sit down and have lunch with you. And I remember saying to our mutual friend, what does she want to have lunch with me for? Did I terrify you? I was so scared, which... I think other people would think that's funny that I get scared. Yes, I get scared Um, because I knew that you, I don't know, I knew that you had been successful and I was like, what does she want to talk to me about? I'm pretty much going to disappoint her. Um, But then, you know, an hour or so into sitting at Panera, I made you go to Panera, didn't I? You did. I did. Yeah. And you still are. (laughs) I know. It's so true. Um, But after about an hour of sitting with you, I thought this woman is incredible. You made me... um, I mean, for a lack of a cheesy word, um, you motivated me to want to see things in myself um, that I honestly struggled to believe could be there. I was pretty comfortable in what I was doing, and you were inviting me into what we are now doing today, ultimately. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was really scared. But as I got to know you more, um, you have this incredible strength to pull out of somebody their grit and grace, their inner strength as a woman. And I'm I just want to say I'm thankful for that. So anyways, I'm Julie Graham. Who are you? Because <laughs> you sound awesome. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, I'm Darlene Brock, and I consider it a little bit more belligerent determination. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, Julie, not only I, but my husband and I both saw things in you that we absolutely believed in. And I am not a person who lays back. I'm a person who mm-hmm. goes after what I believe and. And I want to encourage other people to, too. And I have had that in my life, Mm -hmm. which is from my husband, where he believed I could do things I never thought I could. He is pretty great, too. Shout out to Mr. Dan Brock. You bet. We love you, Dan. Well, I um, wanted to kind of take a little bit what we hinted at in episode 35, how to face the impossible with grit and grace. Um, On that episode, you know, I kind of told our friends that that was inspired by your life um, because you do have this incredible innate inability to think that things um, can get in your way from what you want to do. And so we talked a little bit about that, but I wanted us to kind of devote a whole episode to you, which I know you love. (laughs) (laughs) And she is being so sarcastic right now. Um, But I really wanted really for you to kind of take us behind the curtain a little bit and kind of practically share with us what that looked like in your life. Because I don't want anyone to think that you had it easy peasy and that everything was handed to you. I mean, could you just laugh out loud at those ideas? Yeah. LOL, right? Right. Yeah. But somebody might look and think that that's the case, but you are, you are the exact opposite of that. Um, And we're sitting here today as the Grit and Grace Project, producing this Grit and Grace life because of your grit and grace. And so I want our friends to get to hear a little bit of what made you into the strong woman that you are today, now encouraging other women to be strong. No pressure. No pressure at all. None <laughs> but what at are all. some things that you kind of have taken away from your, um, you know, couple decades on this earth? Yeah, what have you learned that we years. can learn from? Because um, I'm ready to take some notes. You know, I think... I have to think about what you young ladies are 
uh, told and and told to think and how to feel and what to do. And I know one of the things that I hear a lot is, "What is your passion? Mm. What is it you uh, want to do? What is what is in the heart of what you want to do?" And I have to say, Julie, I I didn't have a passion. Mm. You know, I left home two weeks out of high school uh, just to hit the road mm. and did some crazy things for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, went because I'm a person of extremes. I went from Southern Comfort and Coke for breakfast before I went to work. And anybody who doesn't know what that is, don't even look it up. It's just not a good thing. Um, to thinking, okay, I got to get my life together mm-hmm. and my faith together. And mm-hmm. so I joined a commune at the time that was based in Christian principles and also slightly flaky because we were all 18, 19, 20 years old. Um, But then all of those, I was the head of the girls' house at the commune and then just went for three or four other careers after that. But everything that I ventured into was part of my story, Mm. was part of what made me into the person that could have focus, that had a passion. And I discovered in the midst of it is exactly what you thought, is in me, God put in me, the desire to help other people accomplish what they were meant to do. Yeah. So you're saying basically you found that your passion was to help other people find passion. I, yes. th- I think that what is your passion? What is your why? And we even have a couple articles about that because it is such a popular concept these days. You know, what is your why? And then people hear that and think, well, I don't even know what that means. And maybe it means what's my passion. And I must be a loser because I can't define a passion. But you're saying... You started there too, and you moved forward anyway, and you tried some things, and you found yourself along the way. Well, and it was a natural thing. It was a natural outgrowth. It wasn't like I had to sit down and do a five-point paper and journal for four days. It was, I am good at doing this. You know, I went from those years to entering the music business and became a personal manager. Well, it was a natural outgrowth to my passion because in that position— I was helping my artists fulfill their dreams. I was helping my bands hit the road and put together a tour. I was helping them produce the creation that they they made. Yeah, so step number one in the cliff notes of Darlene Brock's life is to be okay not knowing what your passion is, but taking steps one at a time to discover your passion as you go. Yeah, and the other thing in that is don't feel like the whoever creates the passion list of what you should say, these are the passions everyone should have. That's probably on Pinterest. Yeah, it probably is. <laughs> yeah, somewhere in social media, my favorite place to graze. Mm-hmm. Um, but don't think that that's what it has to look like for you, because it may look like a passive action, which I think mine probably did, is that it wasn't that I wanted to do something that produced my own whatever it was. It was that I cared to do it through someone else. Love that. And and I'm actually now a beneficiary of that. And yeah. I feel like that's what you're doing in my life, which and I you greatly appreciate. you haven't even gone where I know you're supposed Uh-oh. to go. So, All okay. right. Well, what's next? What's, what's the next thing that you could kind of look back and see this is a step you took? Don't give up. Preach. Don't give up. Don't give up. And then don't give up. But when do you give up? You don't. <laughs> oh, okay. Got it. Yeah. No, I mean, in life or in your career or in your relationships, you will hit walls. You absolutely will hit walls. Some of them mean you mean you turn, need to turn left and go a different direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times it will be that you have to find a way to burrow under it, to go over it, to mm-hmm. go around it. 
um, just don't let that wall stop you. Don't let whatever the obstacle in your life is stop you from doing what you know you're supposed to. And again, it may be you're not going the right direction, so there's a wall there to prove that to you. But that just means you step back and go, all right, what's plan B? What's plan C? I mean, I've had several careers and several things within my careers that I've done. And all of them were maybe I hit a wall or maybe an opportunity opened up, but I would switch gears. You were like, Siri, rerouting. <laughs> and you didn't get freaked out by it. You just said, all right, yeah, let's reroute. That's, let's figure out another way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You just figure out another way to uh, do whatever it is you need, you know, you're supposed to do. Did you ever find, though, in your journey, um, you know, maybe more specifically in your career path, that you would find other people trying to kind of derail you? Oh, my. Once or twice? Word. <laughs> um, yes, absolutely. Uh, they, there are people, let's just start the list. There are people who will tell you whatever it is you want to do is impossible, mm -hmm. which we've already talked about mm -hmm. that. I don't believe in that word. Um, or they will tell you that someone's tried it before, so you shouldn't do it. Or they will feel the compassion, quote unquote, to mm. explain to you why it is not within your ability to do it mm. because they love you so much. Um, mm. Or they will simply, I mean, you have people who are competitive or uh, bitter or, you know, you have all kinds of people in your life who will take a moment in time and tell you in, sometimes tell you, sometimes just kind of throw tacks in your way while mm. you're walking forward. Mm. But Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a lot of people that will do that. You just avoid them. I think that's an area that I have definitely struggled in my own life is there will come people who I really um, love and respect and look up to and have benefited greatly from their advice in my life. But then I hit a season where all of a sudden they don't see the direction I want and believe that I'm supposed to go in. And then I'm at a crossroads of, well, if they don't think this is the right thing for me, it must not be. And I think you're saying that's not always the case. No, it's and not. And be willing to keep moving forward. And those people can be valuable to you in something you dealt with before and can be valuable to you in the future. They absolutely can. But it is recognizing that not a one of us have all the answers. Mm -hmm. um, not a one of us understands the entire scenario. So we listen to the advice we're given. And if they're people we trust, then we take it to heart. Um, but we don't think that it is the divine truth. You know, there's only one divine truth and it doesn't come from a single human. So we have to kind of step back and go, okay, Lord, which is what I've done many times. Here's everything I'm thinking. Here's everything I'm feeling. Here are what people are telling me. Help me sort it out yeah. and find the right answer for me that I know is what you have. All right. So never give up. I mean, I could probably go for hearing that. Eh. Once every couple weeks. So just feel free to continue to say that to me, okay? You bet. You might have to say it to me occasionally, too. All right. What's the next one? Uh, be willing to do whatever it takes. All whatever right? it takes? Whatever it takes. Whatever mm. it takes. I mean, within moral parameters. <laughs> okay. All right. So talk to me about how this, you've done this in your own life. What are some examples here? Um, let's just say... Let me give you an example of a real life moment where I had to put together a tour for one of my bands and, you know, the musician I worked with and I knew we had a very limited budget. You know, he was growing in his career and you get from a small tour, you know, small halls to you're working toward arenas and there's this middle ground. Mm -hmm. 
where you're working maybe two, 3,000 seat auditoriums. You haven't made the big rooms yet, but you want the production for these places. Mm. Well, it's very expensive. Mm-hmm. It's extremely expensive. All of a sudden you're hiring another semi or you're having to get another tour bus for the rest of the crew. And you know, you don't really have the money and you can't really justify it yet. It's one of those, you got to spend money to make money. Yes. Scenarios. <laughs> it is. It's very much that. So, you know, you're at an impasse. Well, what do you do? You, you go salvage shopping. <laughs> you know, We wanted to build a great set. And to do that, we couldn't afford traditional ways to build a great set. So we went to salvage yards, junkyards, to where they had metal gates and totally cool metal things wow. that we could, you know, I begged and, and he begged with me to the scrapyard <laughs> guy to do it, you know, cheap. And your charisma helped a little bit well, in this. I mean, or, you're, or you're scrappy my, and charismatic is yeah, what you are. <laughs> again, something like that. But anyway, we put together a pretty killer show with materials you would never think. We didn't do it traditionally. So, you know, I'm saying do whatever it takes. If you Mm -hmm. can't do it one way, figure out how to do it another. Love that. Anything else that kind of comes to mind um, in the be willing to do whatever it takes? I mean, did you find, you know, you said you were kind of the leader in a lot of these parts of your career path. And obviously I know you've also been very intentional to say you were not boss lady over everything. You did a lot of things in partnership with your husband and you had key key team members that, you know, you could not have been successful without, but did you have an attitude of, you know, I'm kind of, I'm the one in charge. So everyone just do what I say and everyone do everything and we'll be good. Is that kind of the way you approached your leadership? No, I think that's (laughs) a pitiful. Because I know that's not true, but I think that's a pitiful way to lead. Mm -hmm. I think you lead by being willing to do the little things Mm -hmm. and the big things and everything in between. Mm -hmm. And don't, you know, one of the things in my leadership is believing in the team. Mm -hmm. I don't think that on my own, I could have accomplished any of what I've done. Um, It is the the blending of the talents like we have here at Grid and Grace. Mm -hmm. We have a blending of some wonderful talents and that's how you succeed. So in it, you you do whatever it takes. You do the small things. I'd take out the trash. Why wouldn't I take out the mm-hmm. trash? You know, we have 33 employees, but I'd still take out the trash because yeah. it was overflowing. And I think part of that is you, your people who work with you know that you care enough that you would do the things and it gives, it motivates them too. And I think the other thing as you're building your career, you want to be noticed. Mm-hmm. You want your work to be noticed. You want um, people to say, good job, I see what you do. But you also have to be willing to do it when it's not noticed. Because the goal is more important than what other people think. Yeah, I mean, and that's something that sometimes can be hard for us. I I don't want to do something unless I'll get the recognition for it. But you're saying, no, you do the things that need to be done, even if you don't get the recognition for it, partly because it builds your character and partly because it will eventually pay off. Yeah. And you're definitely living proof of that. Yep. Yep. All right. So you're going to follow your passion, even if you have to discover it along the way. You're never going to give up and you're going to be willing to do whatever it takes. What else? I think I mentioned it a little bit ago, but my life turns are so much of what enabled me to do anything that I've done. Mm-hmm. Um, It's not the predictable things that give you character or strength. Sometimes it is things that happen in your personal life where you're facing challenges you didn't know that built in you a wisdom and an understanding that then all of a sudden you apply to your career. Um, I think understanding human nature is really important and you you glean that from every place, uh, again, to build your career. 
if you were to say that this little girl, which is what I was from a little city you're called Auburn, so Indiana. I am still little. <laughs> That's why I always say you're a little okay, crappy. Wait, wait, wait. Not in my head. <laughs> and I did say head. Um, oh, yeah. I love when your accent comes out. Yeah, That's the best. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I am not small in my mind. Um, but no, I, I was this girl in Auburn, Indiana, average student. Uh, Auburn, Indiana was 12,000 people, you know, not very big at all. Mm-hmm. But even that was part of the building process Mm -hmm. to make me feel and be comfortable with the grassroots, as well as meeting with some incredibly important people, Mm -hmm. you know, so building every part of it, I think is, is essential to uh, fulfilling your dreams. Julie, I do think one thing we need to understand is every part of the journey, every part of our life opportunities and things that we tackled build toward the next part. Mm. Okay. So I can say even my leaving home at 18 to uh, living a little bit of an ornery life, to uh, joining a commune, to running a campground, to becoming a booking Wait, agent. Wait, so the commune then led to a campground? Oh, I, don't, yeah. I don't know that I know about this camp. I mean, I know about the commune. It's yeah. seriously part of my favorite stories. And yeah. I've actually recently, you've told me a little bit more about that. And those have been <laughs> entertaining. Hysterical, Tell me a little bit more about the the. What, what did you, a campground? Yeah, I did. I ran a campground for a while. Yeah, I left the commune because, quite frankly, we were getting pretty self-righteous. And, <laughs> you know, the things that you do when you're young and you go, I'm a super Christian and uh, just watch me roll. We uh, have been there. <laughs> yeah, most of us have. And then you realize you're not quite as smart as you thought. And so you move on to the next part of to your life. To the campground, To apparently. the campground. Yeah, for me, it was to the campground. I went to work for a campground that had retreats in the winter And um, summer camp for kids. And we brought in a lot of kids that uh, were inner city kids, a lot Mm -hmm. of kids that were sponsored. And the bus would come in. And part of my leadership job was to go to the bus with a shoebox and say, you know, brass knuckles, knives, anything like that that you have put in the box right now. And then you can stay on the ground. And don't make me frisk you. And don't make me frisk you. Um, But put in the box and then... We won't find it on you halfway through and have to take you home. Yeah. So I would walk the bus and get all kinds of great paraphernalia. <laughs> so, oh you know, here's a roach clip, here's a joint, whatever. Um, but Love anyway, it. yeah, it was it it was a wonderful opportunity for me because it I learned a lot of organizational skills mm. in that. So, again, a building block. And then I went to work for my husband in the music business and he hired me because he thought I was cute, not because he knew uh-uh. whether I was any good or not, <laughs> which is not a good idea generally. But the good news for him is I actually could figure it out. I've heard him say, yeah, maybe that wasn't the best thing, but it worked out for me. <laughs> I think it worked out for both of you. But yeah, you know. it did. It did. Um, but each one of those, who would who would say that a campground, a commune, uh, whatever, would prepare me for the music business yeah. and to do a tour? But every single one of them did. Yeah, I love that. The building blocks and allowing every step of the journey to play a crucial role and to be able to look back and say, yeah, it's not that I wasted time in the commune because I realized later that I was a little self-righteous, but no, I needed to spend that time in that season in order to get me to the next one, which then prepared me for the next one, which wouldn't have happened if I hadn't, you know, gleaned each step of the way. No, no experience is wasted if you walk away with more information and more understanding. So just so I can clarify, um, when did you have your kids? Oh, that was, 
I mean, obviously after Dan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was after Dan. Um, we were married when we were both in Nashville. We lived in Nashville and ran a booking agency. And then it was a bad partnership he was in. And we moved out to Oklahoma. Who does the music business in Oklahoma? I don't oh know if goodness. you knew that, Julie. I don't remember that. I knew Nashville. Yeah, we moved to Oklahoma. It was well, isn't my- that where Carrie is from? Yeah, Carrie Underwood. I, I, I feel like I, I shouldn't have so. to say her last yeah. name, but you know. <laughs> yeah, I believe so. It's a, it is a state where you can become really creative because there's not very much to do there. <laughs> but, you know, we went out there for one purpose in the music business. There was someone that was going to do a recording studio and it fell completely apart and mm-hmm. we were completely poor. So we had no place to go. So we started building our companies in the state of Oklahoma and I promoted concerts from there and did, uh, and I bet people thought you were crazy. Uh, yeah, I try, I went to a bank one time in Oklahoma <laughs> and asked him if they could give one of my bands a loan for a tour bus. I thought he was going to fall on the floor. Okay, if I'd <laughs> asked, can you help me drill an oil well? He'd have gone, sure, Absolutely. know how to do that. But couldn't, couldn't get a tour bus loan in Oklahoma to save my life. Nope. Nope, but you didn't give up. No, I went to Nashville to See, my baker point friends two. there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I went back to Nashville. <laughs> back to Nashville and did that. But it was when we were in Oklahoma that both of my girls were born. So Lauren, my eldest, because I was promoting concerts, that was probably my primary job at that time. I was promoting concerts all around the country. Lauren would get on the tour bus with me with the band, and we would go from show to show and during sound checks, she would stand on stage and sing Michael Jackson songs at <laughs> three years awesome. of age. And, you know, my girls just, because Dan and I owned the business, they were part of every part of our lives. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, that's one of the things that I do love to hear you talk a little bit about, because especially in this day and age, it, it kind of feels like you have to choose one or the other. And then there's all these opinions about which is right and which is wrong. Um, but you figured out how to make it work and you... Yeah, you, and it's you incorporated not easy. Them, yeah, you incorporated them into your life, though. No, I did. And, you know, they had, they gained a lot of life experience by me throwing them on a tour bus or flying to a venue with them or, you know, whatever. Um, they learned a lot about the world and about people. And, you know, they they were so comfortable with musicians that I just hand them off to the band guys and say, watch them while I go to work. And, mm-hmm. you know, they loved it. They, they loved it. Um, but it wasn't easy. It was never, it was never easy. You know, you'd lose, there was one time in Louisville at, what was it? 1 a.m. I am screaming Lauren's name and at I the shut, end of the show? at the end of the show and I shut everybody down and my two-year-old thought it was really cute to go <gasps> hide. Oh no. Yeah. At oh, 1 a.m. in downtown Louisville. Oh, they were, you know, it was mm-hmm. one of those where I will kill you. I love you. I will kill you. I will love you. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's a scary moment. And every mom has had one of those. Yes. For sure. Yeah. All right. So we'll kind of continuing on that mom and career. Was there ever a point where you had to draw a line in the sand between the two? Yeah, there there was. Um, for me, I was managing a band that success was rapidly growing. Um, they were they were doing really, really well. We had hit gold status. We were on our way to platinum. The touring was off the chart. The demands were huge. And I realized at that juncture that I was I was traveling a lot more. Um, my girls were used to me traveling, but I was traveling a lot more. Mm. And I knew the demands that were coming were going to be even greater than the ones I'd already had. And, you know, I sat down with the band guys and we had multiple conversations about where we would go and if there was some kind of hybrid that we could do. And in the end, Julie, I had to 
go to the studio where they were recording because I knew I had to make a hard decision. Mm. And I went to the studio and said, I've got to quit. I've got to quit this part of my life. Now, I was working at the record company. I was producing music videos. I was doing a lot of stuff all at once. But I knew where this was going. It was going to take too much away. Mm. And I had a choice. I could continue down this path, which in business was a great career path. Very promising, I'm sure. Very promising. Very, very promising. But then if I did, I had two humans at home that, you know, I said to the band when I'm old and the drool is running from my face, you aren't going to be there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, I have two little girls at home who I cannot not invest in. So Mm -hmm. I made a decision to... Around how old were they at the time? Uh, they were, I think Lauren was like eight and Chelsea was four. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it was just, it was something I had to do. Yeah. Had to do. And I'm, I mean, I want to ask, do you regret that at this point? I do not. Yeah. I do not. Um, it was hard because I loved those guys. I'd been through so much of life with them and I still and love them. And you were probably a huge part of helping them get yes. to the rapid success they were experiencing. Yeah. yeah. And the so, beginning of the episode. Exactly. <laughs> and so what? I'm walking away from the success that I worked so hard for. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. it, you know, at that point, I knew the success I wanted was the relationship with my daughters. That mattered to yeah. me more. So did you quit working altogether? No. Let's clarify. Okay. No. Because I, I, I mean, I, have I, never I could quit hear working. you maybe saying that, but no, you're saying you, you had to cut something off of the plate. Exactly. Yep. I had to cut a part of what I did. And again, I was still COO of the record company that we had, and I was still producing music videos, and I still had another band I managed. Oh, <laughs> so, okay. So yeah, that, you're just like taking one little piece of the pie <laughs> yes. away, but it was Indeed. maybe the fun, exciting piece of the pie. Yeah, it was. It was. It was great. The others were as well, but this was just the most demanding. Well, I think there's one thing that I'm kind of seeing come to light as we've listened to you kind of share some of your backstory, some of, you know, the steps you took. And I think it's that you always have the ability to look forward to opportunity and potential. Would you say that that's kind of something you, that kind of an overarching thing that you've been able to do, always looking forward to the possibility of something new? Absolutely. And the one thing, you know, I look back on my career and the things I've done and now Grit and Grace and even sitting here with you at a podcast, which was your brainchild. Thank you very much. Yeah, (laughs) not mine, yours. Um, But, you know, I never, never wanted to limit myself or never wanted to say um, I didn't have something else I could do. Mm. I always thought. I want to have at least 22 different careers before I die. <laughs> I'm only on, let's see, maybe 17. So I have Impressive. a ways to go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was always looking and still am looking for something new. So is career number 17 when you became an author? Because isn't that kind of what we're in the thick of right now is you re-releasing your book? Yeah, it probably is. Um, yeah, I released a book in 2011 that I have now torn apart and rebuilt and rewritten several <laughs> chapters that's how for. you roll. Because it is. I'm never satisfied, am I now? Um, but it was based on the jobs you do as a mom, mm. okay? And it also is the fact that, you know, what we just talked about with Lauren and Chelsea I have done a lot of things in life, but probably the one I am most proud of is motherhood. Mm. So I'm re-releasing the book called Raising Great Girls, Help for Moms to Raise Confident, Capable Daughters, Perfection Not Required. I'll have Love you know. it. Yep. Sign me up and I don't even have a daughter. 
(laughs) (laughs) You might one day. Who knows? Weird. Yes, maybe. Well, so tell me a little bit about this book, because that definitely has been the baby you've been working on. And, you know, I've had a little bit of fun of wanting to help you a little bit with the redesign. And those are, you know, been learning curves for me. Um, You know, learning how to create a project alongside of you has been fun. But tell us a little bit about what the book is and um, what moms can expect to glean from those pages. Yeah, I break it down. There's 13 chapters for mom. And in this release, I have added three for dads too as bonus chapters. Um, But the the 13 for mom include things like a coach, military strategist, professor of gender studies, sex Mm -hmm. ed teacher, um, all the things that we have to do. And uh, in each job, each chapter, I unpack what it means, what it takes to do it, women who have done it, and some fun ways to pull it off. So at first listen, it sounds like you're telling me I have 13 things that I should be doing. What if I hear that and I'm overwhelmed and I think, uh, I'm good. I don't I don't need more jobs. What would you say to her? Oh, the good news is you don't have to do them all at once. Mm. Okay. And they're not as difficult as you think. Um, all I try to do with this book is just kind of arm you for each one when mm. it comes. You know, you're not going to have a sex ed, ed conversation with your two-year-old. Praise per the se. Lord. Um, but you are going to have to be a coach when you have a two-year-old. You're going to have to direct them and bench them occasionally and do some of those things. Um, so it it kind of evolves and it's not overwhelming. The book is actually I would say kind of a fun book. I actually I did. I read the original version, um, the one you put out in 2011 um, when we first met. And I remember thinking that the title, you know, the jobs a mom does and, you know, the back of the book, there's going to be 13 jobs. And I remember thinking, and I wasn't a mom yet, P.S., um, thinking, oh, this is a lot. But the way you wrote it, it was very, this is doable. And let me unpack the different things you do have to do in a simple and practical way. So if you're a mom to girls, I highly recommend you get your hands on Raising Great Girls when it comes out. Of course, we will make sure you know all of the details and how to get it and definitely be following the Grit and Grace Project across all of our social media because, hey, guess what, Dar? We'll be giving some of your books away, just so you know. I mean, I'm sure you're happy with this (laughs) because that's what you pay me for is to figure out how to do our social media. And I'm just saying we're going to give some away. But um, I just really the way you've even kind of recrafted it to match today's cultural climate. I think you've made some really, really smart additions, even adding the dad chapters in, I think is one of the best things you could have done. So I um, can't let this episode end without um, a real strong pitch for the (laughs) re-release of your book. But I just want to personally, again, say thank you for um, just the way you are very real and um, relatable in living this life in such a way that you make it obvious that nothing has to hold you back um, and that you can continue to move forward with grit and grace to become the woman that you're always meant to be um, and that there will be challenges along the way, but that doesn't have to stop you at any given point. No. So thanks for that. You're welcome. And I do believe that, Julie. I think the the biggest reason for grit and grace is I want women to see within themselves what they really can be, who they really can be, and what they can do. Well, I think that you're doing it. So keep it going. Well, let's see. We have to end this episode with a quote because that's just what we do here. What is the quote we want to leave our listeners with for this episode? One of the people I actually love to quote is Coco Chanel. Yeah, she said, success is most often achieved by those who don't know that failure is inevitable. Well, that is totally just like you. I love it. And because, I don't know, I 
feel like I always like to have the last word. I'm actually <laughs> going to add a second quote. Oh. And you know what? It's by this really smart lady I know. Her name is Darlene Brock. How do you oh, feel about that? You are so a I'm quoting girl. you on an episode that's about you. Um, you have said that I have found my ability to complete my many endeavors by just not giving up. It's the determination to move forward in the midst of the most difficult of challenges that has enabled me to weather many of life's storms. And that, my friend, could not be more true. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of this Grit and Grace Life podcast. Thanks for listening to another episode of this Grit and Grace Life podcast brought to you by the Grit and Grace Project. Take a few minutes and head over to iTunes to rate and review the show so more people can find us and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an upcoming episode. If you can think of a friend who could benefit from this episode or the show in general, please be sure to share us with her. And for all the details on today's episode, find the show notes by heading to thegritandgraceproject.org. You can follow us on social so you miss nothing that we're sharing throughout the week on all things living a grit and grace life. We'll catch you on the next one.